Welcome to Critical Transit, episode 32. On today's episode, we take a step back uh, about a little over a month ago to April 1st when I was in La Crosse, Wisconsin. As, uh, as you probably know by now, I started uh, my transit tour in Chicago and worked my way up to Milwaukee and Madison, Wisconsin. And, uh, and then on the way up uh, northwest, I stopped in La Crosse and uh, had, a, had a good time riding some buses there. I met some great people. And uh, so we're going to talk about uh, small city and rural transit today. Uh, La Crosse has both. So uh, I think... I think it's some something uh, interesting stuff uh, for those of us who especially think about big city transit more often than not. Um, there is some; um, it's very different to ride a, a smaller city transit system. Especially most of the small city systems that I've seen have pulse point hubs where all the buses come in and out of one terminal, uh, in the, usually in the downtown area, and so uh, that makes it easy to explore the city because you can just take a bus and, you know, you take it back to the terminal. And in the case of a place like La Crosse, the routes have, uh, do loops. And, uh, and some, some systems do weird loops that sort of are, you know, difficult and, um, you know, like big one-way loops, which, uh, you know, not so good if you actually want to get somewhere because most people don't want to ride in circles. But um, in La Crosse, what they seem to be doing is that at least several of their routes uh, multiple routes will end in the same place. So, uh, for example, Route 2 uh, southbound becomes Route 1 northbound and vice versa. So it's not it's not treated as a one-way loop, but it's, uh, in fact, two separate routes that just share an endpoint and, and therefore they can be interlined in that, in that way. And uh, so it was great for me exploring the city because I got to take Route 2 out to the end of the line and then it just became Route 1 and then I got to ride Route 1. Um, and you know, I get downtown, and then of course downtown there's always interlining that goes on when you uh, have a you know route uh, come in as route one, for example, and then leave as route six. Uh, that makes a lot of sense when you're uh, doing driver scheduling because because uh, of the way that all works out, uh, it's much more efficient to to do things that way. And then you know you don't have to have the same exact time for every route. You know, not all the routes have to be the same exact cycle time because you can just have it do a different, um, you know, it'd be interlined with a different route. And, uh, you know, in a system like lacrosse, it's pretty simple because all of the bus routes are running on basically the same schedule. So uh, they're, you know, they're basically getting back. It's it's either one or two buses on the, on the line um, at a time. And so uh, it's nothing super complicated that it would be too difficult to have the routes meet up at the, at the pulse point. The post point in La Crosse is called Grand River Station, and a beautiful, old-looking building, like almost like a, like an old uh, rail station, you know, with a really nice, uh, um, just beautiful architecture of the brick and everything. But but the building itself is actually brand new. It was constructed uh, two years ago, a big big project, and uh, that's you know very exciting for them because now they have an indoor location and uh, they've designated you know bus bays and it's just it works really well and people have a place to wait uh, use the bathrooms you know it gets cold um they can buy buy tickets and passes and stuff and then uh, passengers who are taking intercity buses uh, jefferson lines you, you can get that there as well so uh just a big big change for the city and they also have one on street transfer location that's further up um that you have to actually take route six from the transit center to this other point where you can get routes uh, 9, 7, and 10, and maybe 8 as well. 
Um, so I did uh, I did a bit of a, of a trip, and I'll share that with you. And then, of course, I have an interview coming up with Keith Carlson, who is the uh, director of the Lacrosse Municipal Transit Utility, as it is known. First such named transit authority I have come across. And uh, and I also spent some time talking to Sana, who is the transit service representative, and I believe uh, she's a dispatcher as well. At least that's what she was doing when I when I showed up at the MTU office and uh, and at the transit center in the morning. So um, that's very exciting. Looking forward to that. And in the second part of the show, I have both uh, some clips from some rides and an interview with Peter Fletcher from the uh, what is it the Mississippi River Regional Planning Commission. And uh, he helped set up a new rural transportation service, uh, fixed routes that are running south of La Crosse, about 30 miles or more to Viroqua in, in multiple routes. And then uh, there's another route that goes south from there as well. Um, so we talk about how that came to be and, and why and uh, how it's going. And also some of the audio that I recorded from uh, on the bus uh, on this rural transit, I can call it the bus. I mean, it's just a, a large van, basically, like a cutaway van, like a minibus, you might call it. Um, some of the conversation I had with, with the driver uh, was, you know, we were learning about the service and, and who's using it and that sort of thing. Um, Carrie was so very excited to see me, um, and I was excited for the bus to show up because uh, the system needs to work a little bit on uh, information because there are no signs or anything out there. Uh, to to show you where the stops are, so I was a little concerned that I might miss the bus, and I saw it coming, and I, you know, flagged down, and I uh, was very excited, and it was, it was it it all went went very well, so that was that was very exciting. This is called the scenic Mississippi River Transit uh, because La Crosse is on the Mississippi River, and uh, they also called they called it the Smart Bus uh, among regular users, and uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit, and uh, I think it's going to be a good show. We get to some insights into what's going on and. In a place like La Crosse, La Crosse itself is uh, is a pretty small city. Uh, I believe about uh, sixty, maybe eighty thousand population, and uh, it's it's pretty spread out. It's, uh, mostly single family homes. Um, the only real multi story developments that you see are in the downtown and uh, in the university area, which is pretty close to the downtown. Um, multiple universities, but the big one is the University of Wisconsin and La Crosse, and. Uh, and that's where I, I I stayed right near there during during my my three days in Lacrosse. So, um, and I got to bike over the Mississippi River uh, on the uh, bridge that goes to La Crescent, and uh, I also took the bus over there. So that was really cool. Uh, just get to dip into Minnesota for a little while. Um, on the next day, I rode my bike from Lacrosse to Winona. So uh, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit at the end. And uh, yeah, um, that's what we got. So. I think I'm going to get started with my interview. Well, first, first, what happened is I uh, I went over to Lacrosse MTU offices, uh, which are not directly served by bus, but fortunately I had uh, my folding bicycle, which everybody always loves to look at. And uh, I go to many places, and everybody's like, "Oh, I've never seen anything like that before." So, uh, yeah, so I went to I showed up at the office, and uh, this was after in the morning I had been at the Grand River Station. And uh, and I was chatting with Sana, who was uh, was manning the station, and uh, and I believe dispatching as well. And so uh, I was talking to her a little bit in the morning, and then I then I showed up at the at the uh, the office and uh, talked to her again for about five minutes or so. And then uh, and then Keith Carlson came in. Keith Carlson is the uh, he's the director of the transit agency, and um, 
he was out getting coffee because I guess uh, the agency runs on coffee, uh, just like everybody else. So um, it was it was sort of interesting because the day that I was there was April first, and it was Fair Free Monday. Um, but being April first, I, I really I, I thought it was an April Fool's joke, and I'm like, there's no way free fairs. Uh, that just sounds ridiculous. But uh, but it was true. It's uh, and they had on, on the, the signs on the buses said uh, Free Fair Monday and um, and it was true. I got to ride for free all day. So I'm going to play my interview here and uh, I'll come back and uh, I guess we'll somehow segue into the the other interview. So let's uh, here is uh, my conversation. First, I'm talking to Sana, who is uh, transit service representative and I believe the dispatcher for Lacrosse MTU. Do you want to say your name for the podcast? Or? Sana. This is my first time in Lacrosse, and it uh, looks like it's a small city bus system. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like you guys operate around a pulse point. Yep. Which is the transit center that you were at this morning. Sure. That's our main transfer point. But we've got another transfer point on the north side. Just a small hub. It's just not enclosed. It's just a street intersection where some buses meet up there as well. Okay. And you were saying the facility is pretty new over there. <clears throat> yeah, it's two and a half years old. Before that, it was just a street intersection and all the buses would pull up and people would just scatter for, uh-huh. trans- for transfers. It was, I can't believe nobody got run over. It was a little treacherous. Nice. How does, how does it work uh, now? I mean, the buses all pull up and is, is there, are there issues with buses being on time <clears throat> at the point? Mm-hmm. Nope. Not any more than any other place we'd have, you know, mechanical difficulties, accident here and there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, nope. Works out smoothly. We've got a nice little system. We cover a lot yeah. of area. Did you look at the map? What's, I did. I did, actually. Yeah. I haven't been on it yet, but today is a Fair Free Monday. Yeah. So that First Monday of the month is always free. How did that come about? Um, I'm not even sure, how, but we've been doing it for about, God, maybe two years. <laughs> and it's popular. And we've got, um, let's see if I can find So it sounds like the ridership that I see today is going to be a little bit skewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's cool. Actually, it's pretty powerful. It shows that if, if transit was really um, subsidized to the level that it could be free, then you know, it really would have a lot of promise. Exactly. This is from comparing 2011 to 2012. Here's Hello. what our on day, and here is the Monday averages for that same wow. month. It's like one and a half times as much. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. It's um, Pretty popular day. That's awesome. Is that? Is there any anybody anybody pay for that, or is that just a thing that MTU nope, does? No, we used to it. Cool. Yep. On election day, um, on the presidential election last November, um, the League of Women Voters and our local yeah, union split the cost and paid for a free fair day for election day. That's really cool. So yeah. we want to get more people to the polls. So that was that was a neat one. Excellent. So uh, what what are um, some of the busiest routes? Probably one because that goes okay. through. Both hospitals. Okay. Yeah, a lot of employees, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much for the employees. They, because they have both have works program, it's called, and they get a discounted pass through work, mm-hmm. and they don't they don't sell a whole bunch of them. <laughs> so I think it's not employees. I think it's mainly people utilizing it. Oh, cool. Well, it looks like we've got a good system, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to ride it, and... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yep, today's your day to ride. Today's my day, yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sana, for you your time. And You're welcome. Excuse me, Keith Carlson is our transit manager. Hey, Keith. Right. I'm traveling around the country, uh, in the Midwest right now, uh, riding public transit. Get out of here. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got my little bike over here to fill in the gaps. Well, so I was going to say, I saw that. It's kind yeah. of unique. 
I'm not sure that fits in the bike rack yeah. in the front of the bus. It doesn't does it? fit very well because of the way the arm goes, so I always sure, have to fold sure. it anyway. It's kind of weird. <laughs> kind of cold to be up this yeah this part of the country. It's a little it? cold. I'm, I'm from New York, and uh, okay. you know I was in Chicago, and then I kind of came up through Wisconsin. You found us down here. Yeah. Yeah, I was teasing him that he was stalking me because I had the side of this yeah. morning. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, this morning. I was going to say, it's too bad you, you didn't catch her this yep. morning. Up there <laughs> Good morning, him uh, too. I was just talking to um, Tana before and she was explaining to me about how the system works. And um, I was, I'm kind of curious because I, I'm mostly from big cities, um, mm -hmm. you know, from New York, Boston, Chicago. And uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, what's involved in, in running a system of, of this size compared to some of the larger ones? You know, I. Th um, I think it's the same thing. Uh, the difference in cities like this, small size, is that fewer people do all of the, the same jobs need to get done. The the planning, the marketing, the operations, the maintenance, um, the finance, everything, everything still has to get done here just like it does. But we don't have special people just doing those specialized things. Um, we need a lot of help from, uh, having said that, I mean, we're a department of the city, so we rely heavily on the finance department, the planning department, the engineering, public works, to help us accomplish our goal here. Um, we, uh, if, as you know, you were up at the Grand River Station, I mean, that's no simple task to get that open two years ago, and it's about a, a $30 million project, uh, mixed use, so it involved federal funding, private sector funding, city funding, very complex, and we surely couldn't have done any of that without the help of all the other departments mm -hmm. at City Hall. So, otherwise, you know, it's a lot, a lot of the same. Um, That's a really cool building up there. I mean, it's I, I looked at it and I thought it was just an old building that had been restored, but I hear it's well, new. It's brand new. It's very nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we, um, bef prior to that, people here, we were just on a street corner and we had no um, shelter from the weather, no amenities, no bathrooms, no you know, public restrooms. And mm -hmm. A place uh, when a bus runs late and, and the other, you know, in a city like this, we have a bus every 30 minutes. You're probably come, you probably come from a place that's mm -hmm. got service every... <laughs> What every ten minutes? Or? It depends, but yeah, some yeah, of them are five minutes more yeah. frequent. Yeah. Well, so you miss your bus here, and you could have thirty minutes to an hour, depending on the time of the day, um, to wait for your bus. So, you know, having a, a place to go inside and wait mm -hmm. makes a lot of difference. And this is a this is a pulse point hub where all the buses wait for each other a few minutes or something, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So. so um, yeah, cool. and our ridership has never been better. Uh, last year we had the highest ridership in 29 years, um, 1 .2, over 1.2 million rides. So where'd you say you're from? New, New, New York. York. <laughs> They're carrying that every day over there. But Yeah, but that's okay. But there's some place like this, I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, I was talking to uh, Mick Rush from Metro Transit in Madison the other day, mm -hmm. and he was mentioning that, you know, when, when he first started, as, as did many of us, and I, I used to do transit planning in Boston, and, you know, when many of us first started, it was, um, we were trying these, these jingles and all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. to try to get ridership, and, and now it's... Right. Yeah. It, um, I, I don't know what it, it, it's, 
there's been a shift, I think, in the way people think about public transit. From I mean, I've been here since the 80s, so I mean, back then it seemed like the attitude was um, public transit was for elderly and disabled people, mm-hmm. and even it seems like a lot of our routes were designed to do that to, to serve that population. So, but but anyway, but so now it, I think it's shifted to be more. Um, a lot of people are thinking green. A lot of people are thinking saving money about the money they can save. Um, maybe they're only maybe they only have one car. Or maybe they only have two cars instead of three. Um, <laughs> and somebody's on the bus. So it's it's a good time to be in transit. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. Any future plans? No, we're spent <laughs> after that project. And yeah. We just put three hybrid. I don't know if you did yeah. to tell you we put three hybrid buses into now Madison. You were there. Yeah, you were in Madison. I saw them here this morning. Yeah, they're very nice. Yeah. Um, I wish we had a whole fleet of them, but yeah. uh, they were Eventually. so expensive. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think our our long range plans are to go compressed natural gas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we have a. Um, what do you call it? A fuel wholesaler here. A quick trip is into compre- supplying CNG now. So prior to them getting into it, we didn't have. We would have had to put our own fueling station in. It's cost prohibitive. So, right. so now, I think that's the direction we're going to go with CNG. Cool. And is that that's? Um, are there other advantages to being part of the city, uh, or challenges? I mean, most transit agencies I'm familiar with are kind of state agencies, standalone. Or yeah, yeah. Um, No, I mean, I, I mean, I, uh, I guess the like I mentioned, the support of the other departments, the support of the city council and the mayor, is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so. places like La Crescent and on Alaska pay you to. Yes. Yeah. So, so we have agreements with them, just like we have agreements with the universities to for UPass. I'm sure you've right. Uh, seeing that we have three colleges here, so that's important to our ridership. Anything else? Uh, no, I okay. think that's it. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much to Sana and Keith for chatting with me and telling me about the system. And uh, it didn't take too long because uh, I knew that I kind of kind of just walked in there. I wasn't planning to be in lacrosse in the day that I was there, and so uh, it was sort of sudden. I just figured maybe I'll show up at the uh, office and maybe can talk to someone. And uh, and they were very welcoming. They were very excited, as you could tell, um, and, and happy to talk. So that was that was very exciting. And uh, and after I left there, I went out to to Grand River Station. Uh, had my bike with me. I didn't really need it, uh, but I wasn't sure if I might get off and ride at some point. So um, so I had it along with me and my little folding bike, which doesn't fit in the bike rack in the front of the bus. So I have to bring it inside the bus with me, um, which is fine. Uh, not too crowded. Um, you kind of have to, I've developed a, a method of kind of sitting there and holding it and putting my uh, sort of the back of my knee on the on the pedal so it doesn't go anywhere, and uh, just just keep it tight. Um, so first I rode Route Two uh, to the, the southeast part of the city, and then uh, at that point it became Route One. Uh, it, it returned into the city as Route One. Both of those routes have the, the same terminus, and uh, so then I uh, once I got to the, the transit station. I, uh, it was time to get my next route, which is Route 6. But uh, lucky for me, in this particular case, the uh, 
Routes one and six were interlined for at least for this trip, so uh, so I got to stay on the same bus. Very very nice. Main transfers route one now becomes route six north side. here and get ready to board Route 7. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, I'm just going to be riding around and coming back go for the ride. So. Uh, well, we don't do that. Do you have a destination? Yeah. I'm going to come back here, but I just want to see where the Okay, I'll let you. Yeah. Uh, make sure you take all that in the bag, please. Oh, absolutely. Sure. So I'm on Route 7 right now, heading in uh, around French Island, and Route 7 is one of two routes, uh, along with Route 10 in La Crescent, Minnesota, which makes flag stops. Um, so we just drop somebody else off on the side of the road at her house. This route does a figure eight around French Island, which uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but it just looks like the same kind of low-density suburban development as I've been seeing all over the city. We go by the airport right now. We're about to loop around the north side and come back around to the, the same transfer point that we started at. And uh, I can either take the Route 6 back downtown or uh, uh, ride around a little bit on my bike if I so choose. I'm back at Grand River Station in downtown La Crosse. I'm getting ready to get on Route 10 going to La Crescent. So I'm on Route 10, the Apple Express, headed out to La Crescent, Minnesota, and uh, we have crossed the bridge into La Crescent, and uh, there's a sign saying, welcome to the Apple capital of Minnesota, which I guess is why we have the Apple Express. Uh, Going to be riding the bus around, should take about an hour to get back to the downtown transit center, the uh, Grand River Station in La Crosse. Uh, this is the last trip of the day, so I probably won't get off at all. I'll probably just come right back to La Crosse, but we'll see what happens. This uh, must be the oldest bus in the system. It's sort of like a hybrid of a transit bus and a school bus in this design. And uh, it's interesting because earlier in the day I rode some nice hybrid buses that were brand new. One driver uh, was driving a bus that said uh, he said it had about 3,000 miles on it, which for a bus is uh, is about a week. Uh, but it's very mountainous here and lots of uh, really nice scenery. I went to the bluff yesterday in La Crosse on the east, east side, and uh, it's really beautiful over there. And uh, here on the west side is uh, also more mountains. Certainly lots of nice scenery in this region, uh, big bluffs. Um, this is a term that I've never heard before, uh, living from the east coast. And uh, apparently a bluff is just uh, land that is high up above the lake or the river. And in this case, and so the bluffs on either side of the Mississippi River uh, can, can be very high up. 
and uh, and in this section the the river is is quite wide, um, and there are a couple of little swabby islands that are sort of in kind of in the river or next to it, and so the distance from La Crosse to La Crescent is actually like several miles. Um, and so the bus drove on the highway basically for for a long stretch, and uh, I I decided to take my bike across the bridge at one point, and I uh, I went across the the bridge just right over the river and then I, I just turned around because I was like this is boring there's nothing here and I'd have to ride another five miles before I got to La Crescent and uh, and as it turned out I rode Route 10 around La Crescent and really nothing to see there just typical suburb and I was kind of amazed because you don't expect a, a, a transit bus you know you're sitting on a bus and the bus is going through what basically is suburbia you know there's like cul-de-sacs and there's driveways and there's like you know it's just like these people aren't taking the bus and I, I'm not really sure exactly what you're trying to serve here uh, I think I was in, I want to say I was in St. Cloud, Minnesota, riding the buses there, and to some of the suburbs there. And the it was sort of like they they have these routes going out into the suburbs, uh, you know, really low density areas, and they make all these deviations to try to get like anybody who might possibly get on the bus. But in doing so, you make the route so indirect, and you make it so difficult for people to use the route. It's like you can't go to everybody's front door. That's kind of the point of of a bus, right? Is like any kind of transit, you know, it's like everybody has to has to walk a little bit to get to it. But when you get to it, then it's going to be direct. That's that's the point. That's how it's supposed to work. So um, you know, a lot of times you see these like crazy looping deviations, and that's sort of what this uh, this um, La Crescent bus did, and as well as the French Island bus, and uh, and a couple of the others too. So you know, if you look on the on the website, it's uh, in the City of La Crosse website. Um, I'll post a link to it, obviously, but it's cityoflacrosse.org, and La Crosse is spelled just like uh, the sport. Um, L-A-C-R-O-S-S-E um, and actually there is a there is a connection between the sport and the city and uh, I'm not entirely sure exactly what it is so I don't want to get it wrong but um, there is a connection so uh, there anyway um, thank you to everybody who welcomed me aboard Lacrosse MTU uh, it was a great ride and I rode it again on Tuesday uh, the next day so I, I did pay that day and uh, that was that was fine um but, uh, but it was nice having the fair free day because, um, as Sana pointed out, that the ridership is about one and a half times as much on fair free day as it is on, on a typical Monday. And so, um, you know, that's great because uh, you get people trying the service or um, maybe it's people who do a whole bunch of trips so that they, they, you know, they don't have to pay for multiple trips on another day. You know, they just do a whole bunch of trip chaining and, um, you know, that's great. And then you get people who, um, you know, just uh, maybe you can't afford the bus or, um, you know, or, or pinching for money or whatever, or just trying it for the first time. I mean, that's, you get plenty of that where people have just haven't been on a bus in a while, don't know what to expect. And uh, sort of having a, the free fare sort of encourages them to, to try it. And, and uh, hopefully they've gotten some yeah, sustained increase in ridership from that. Um, it's really exciting. And um, if you know of fair free days in other places, uh, please please write in. Feedback at criticaltransit.com. I would love to hear about it. And uh, any innovative things that transit agencies are doing, I'm always looking to highlight that. And uh, that's one of the big points of this tour is to see different things that different uh, agencies in different places are doing to uh, to promote transit and, um, and biking and uh, other good stuff like that. So uh, now I'm going to roll into my ride on the smart bus. Um, this is the scenic Mississippi River Transit, and I I found well a funny story about this, and uh, uh, I actually I think it comes through in the in in the recording 
uh, or possibly in the interview later. So, uh, so I'll save that for there. And, uh, but suffice to say that I found out about this bus by accident and I was amazed that it actually existed. And, uh, this is a, a bus that is going from, you can get from La Crosse all the way down to Prairie du Chien, which is many, many miles. It's at least 50 miles. Um, and so, you know, very, very long distance, um, you know, very cheap, uh, $3. And, uh, you know, just enhancing mobility for the region. There, uh, there are a lot of people in these old cities and towns, like Viroqua is this really, really small city, um, but very old, you know, it's basically railroad towns, right, that have, you know, seen the railroads disappear long ago, at least for passengers. And, uh, you know, they, many, many times they have, people have difficulty getting from place to place. People grow up in these areas and they stay there, you know, they don't, uh, they don't necessarily want to move to new places and, um, and, and they're also, um, you know, you maybe need to access services. So, uh, let's say you live in La Crosse, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to need to get to Viroqua very often, but, but maybe you might one day or more commonly it would be the reverse. You're living in Viroqua and you need to get to La Crosse for, you know, the big, big city, the county seat, you know, the, the big main services, courts and other things. And so, you know, you may need to go there and well, now you have an option to get there. That's not, you know, going to be a $50 cab ride. And there's also a very large Amish population in this part of Wisconsin. And so Amish people uh, tend not to use, uh, well, they don't generally don't use uh, newer forms of technology. And so they uh, tend not to own cars. And, uh, and so the bus is a, is a great option for them. And a lot of them do use the bus. And uh, as you'll see in uh, a part of our, uh, in one this one clip and discussion that we had, uh, there was a, um, an Amish family that was looking for visitors and a uh, bus driver, as they do in, in these small operations, uh, you know, you hear this term service before schedule, uh, because they're trying to, you know, go above and beyond to really make sure that everybody's taken care of and, uh, the service is provided. And, uh, and it's not like you're abandoning the schedule entirely. It's just that you lose a minute or two, you know, um, but I had a good ride, and uh, it was very, very interesting. Like I said, very weird to be on a, a transit vehicle going through these suburban and rural areas. It just, just sort of feels like you don't belong. It's just foreign to me. I'm not, not used to this kind of thing. So, uh, but anyway, have a listen, and uh, maybe I'll talk some more on the other side. I'm standing at the intersection of Fifth and King in downtown La Crosse. I am waiting for the scenic Mississippi River Transit. Uh, bus to south to Viroqua, and um, I'm told this is where the bus stops, uh, but there are no signs. Um, I see no evidence of a bus stop here, but I was assured by the person who answered the phone when I called that this is in fact where the bus stops, but she didn't know exactly where, so uh, she said she hears the people wait on the corner, so uh, I guess... That's something about, you know, information for transit agencies. But in any case, uh, I found out about this route sort of by accident, and I've been here for a couple days, and I had no idea this bus even exists until yesterday when I was talking to a friend who was supposed to come up from Chicago to meet me and potentially ride to Minneapolis with me, uh, which is really exciting, and I'm looking forward to that. And so she said that... Um, she was going down to this stay at this farm that's about 50 miles south of here I looked it up and apparently it's in, uh, it's in Soldiers Grove Wisconsin which apparently you can get to by this southern uh, scenic Mississippi River Transit bus uh, if I take two buses oh and here it comes look at that let me go and try to flag it down hey how are you, Hi, well, how are you? 
yourself. Excellent. Yeah, look at my own personal bus. Yes. Is it three dollars? Yes, I'm actually going down and I'm coming back, so should I pay six or? Um, is it? who are you gonna, gonna be coming back with? Uh, just me. I mean, what bus are you riding? Are you oh, um, prob probably this one. This one, okay. Because I think it's the last one that's yeah. going back, so. Okay. Um, so you're so can, just... Yeah, I'm just going to, to visit. I'm, I'm visiting town and uh, I heard there's some stuff in Viroco, but I, I want to see it, but I don't really want to stay there, so. Oh, well, what? It would be a know, perfect no, uh, experience. Three bucks. Just three dollars? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Yeah, I love uh, I love riding public transit everywhere I go. So okay. this is a new experience for me. Okay. Well, welcome aboard. Thank you. I was a little worried. I called and they said that the stop, bus stops at Fifth and King, but I, I didn't know where. So I <laughs> I guess You're I got lucky. The right spot here. Good. Good. You know, sometimes I'll get people who are standing under the awning down there and on the uh -huh. horn. <laughs> yeah, they could use. Our other routes go around. When they do their route, they come up this place and they stop. Ah, uh, okay. I'm surprised you guys don't go into the transit station that they have down. Uh, down yeah, they, um, they didn't want that. But they let us stop at their um, pavilions, you know, so okay. a lot of our right. stops are at their pavilions. Yeah. So I guess we're fortunate there. That helps, I guess. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty new though, right? This, yes, we started, um, I think it was uh, December 1st. Cool, uh, wow. Yeah, so we're only a couple months old. Yeah, so I guess all that stuff will come. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you say you're from from the lacrosse area then? I'm originally from New York and uh, most recently Chicago. Oh. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm traveling. Uh, I'm traveling through Wisconsin and gonna go to Minnesota. Okay. Wow. Adventure yeah. some then. I come to a place like this and people are like, "This is the big city." Uh, that's weird to me. Yeah. But you got a lot of people on this route so far. Or? It's not like not so many regular commuters. It's more just like people going a couple days a week kind of thing. Well, I have a couple of regulars that work in town Come from Baroqua. Quite a few college students too. Three universities in lacrosse. We don't have a lot of riders yet, so whatever you can say to get yeah. people <laughs> to ride should be helpful. Well, I don't think I have a lot of readers around here, but I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I do uh, travel around to try to get the word out. And it's it's a lot of people. You know, people learn a lot of interesting things because. Like I come from the big city, and so you know something like this is just totally foreign to us. And it's it's something that you know if it's the more it's being tried, uh, you know, rural transit. It's the more it's it's proving its importance and it's doing really well. So yeah, more and more communities are doing it, and it's um, you know it's really important because you know more and more like we build ourselves these environments where people now can't get around without a car, and then you know people get older, or you know maybe you have you know a family, and I mean you can't have five cars. And that was the ride. It's only uh, 5.52, uh, which is two minutes late, but uh, that was because we spent a little bit of time trying to help people. Um, customer service going above and beyond. There was, when I got to, uh, let's see, it was one of the hospitals in Viroqua. We were spending some time looking for... Uh, talking to some Amish people who were expecting some visitors from Lacrosse, and I guess their visitors were supposed to be taking the Jefferson Lines intercity bus to Lacrosse, and then getting this bus to go down there. Um, and when we got back to Lacrosse, uh, they were not found. So 
will be coming today. I don't know what happened to them, but I hope uh, that maybe they just missed the Jefferson bus and they're going to be coming tomorrow. Um, because I think this is the last bus going down to Viroqua. So, um, wish those folks well. I was thinking maybe they just didn't know how to get from the transit center to this bus, or, or they, you know, they didn't know it didn't go to the transit center or something like that. I mean, as somebody who takes, you know, new transit systems all the time, it's like, that's the kind of thing that goes wrong. You right. make that kind of mistake and, you know, you're just waiting and waiting and, no, the bus didn't show up. Thanks again so much to Carrie, my bus driver on this trip, for giving me some great information and a good ride. And, uh, you know, I had a good time. I learned a lot and met a few people and uh, all, was, all was well. So... Um, You can check out uh, Scenic Mississippi Regional Transit at ridesmrt.com, and I'll put a link on on the site. And uh, the following day, I had a chance to sit down with Peter Fletcher, who who tells us all about the funding and how uh, SMRT came to be and uh, how it's doing. So have a listen. Why don't we we introduce you? Uh, This is Peter Fletcher. He's the transportation planner. The uh, Mississippi River Regional Planning Commission. Right. I actually used to work for a regional planning commission in Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. um, Back in maybe 2007. Okay. So So. I had some experience with the regional. (laughs) Yeah. Is it similar kind of stuff going on over here? Yeah, we we serve a nine-county area in western Wisconsin, and we're the smallest as far as staff-wise regional planning commission in the state. We have uh, four planners and... um, uh, office assistant, so we uh, titles transportation planner. We end up doing a little bit of everything. <laughs> Do a lot of comprehensive planning and uh, planning, right. planning. I mean, there's a lot of that writing. There's a lot of that in smaller places too. You know, I was talking yeah. to Keith Carlson uh, the other day from uh, the Municipal Transit Utility, um, which is the first such named transit agency that I've come across. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, he was just saying, yeah, it's very, you know everything's very small, so you just, <laughs> everybody does everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, cool. Um, so yeah, I, I the reason I came in here is I wanted to talk about the scenic Mississippi uh, River Transit, and I found out about this about a day or two ago, uh, sort of by accident. And one of my friends was coming up from Chicago and um, was going to come stay in, uh, at this farm that she knew in Soldiers Grove. And I was wondering if, if I could get over there. And I looked it up, and I saw it's about 50 miles away. And I first said, no way. And it just turns out there's uh, there's transit there. Yeah, it just just uh, started actually in December of uh, 2012. Cool. So this is, a, this is a rural bus system, but it's uh, fixed routes. Yes. Uh, and um, do you want to tell us about how this got started? Yeah, it's actually quite a story. Uh, it started... Uh, the process and planning really started in 2010 uh, and it started in uh, Crawford County uh, the city of Prairie du Chien uh, in Crawford County came to the Crawford County Transportation Coordinating Committee uh, each county uh, in, in our region has a transportation coordinating committee that mainly looks at transportation coordination within their counties and however in this case uh, Crawford County uh, Prairie du Chien was interested in connecting, uh, mainly for employment purposes, connecting to La Crosse. They, 
Prairie, the city of Prairie du Chien is around four or 5,000 people, but it has some several large employers, Cabela's, 3M, and they're having difficulty getting uh, employees because they have you know 800 some jobs, 800,000 jobs in the, in the community. So they're looking at a way of connecting to lacrosse, uh, the idea of a daily commuter bus. Uh, when when the city of Prairie du Chien came to Crawford County, uh, it was determined that uh, they jointly request funding from the Wisconsin Department of Transportation to do a feasibility study to see if uh, a commuter bus connecting Lacrosse and Prairie du Chien would be feasible. Uh, they were awarded funding from the Department of Transportation, and uh, in 2010, and through the Regional Planning Commission, I sit on all the uh, uh, transportation coordinating committees, so I got very involved in the project uh, initially. And in 2010, when the feasibility study, the first meeting, it was since such a transportation system would have to go through three counties, it would be in Crawford County, it would go through Vernon County, and then also into La Crosse County, where the city of La Crosse is located. Um, it would obviously take input from all three counties. Uh, when we sat everyone down together, we not only looked at connecting uh, Prairie du Chien to La Crosse, but also as an opportunity to connected with another community in Baroqua, a larger community, the county seat in Baroqua, another four or 5,000 people uh, population in, the, in that community, and serve a great, a larger area. So in, in that case, we'd be looking really a three-county system that would go through uh, 12 cities and villages, provide a fixed route transportation service. We complete the feasibility study. Uh, it was determined to, uh, that it was possibly feasible uh, routes were identified in that study and we chose uh, around five routes were looked at and out of that study we chose three of them to begin that would look the most feasible to begin operation. Uh, at that point we applied for uh, three things that happened after that point. Uh, we needed uh, funding assistance from the state of Wisconsin uh, through a grant program. We needed then matching funding from local units of government or businesses to, to make it provide the local match and then we needed a transportation provider. The idea being is uh, we provide the, we had the idea of what the transportation, where it would serve the, the routes, we just needed to contract out that service to have someone operate the buses and run the service. Uh, between uh, 2010 through when it started in December 2012, there were some setbacks. Uh, the State Department of Transportation and the State of Wisconsin went through various budget issues in 2011. Transportation funding uh, was essentially frozen at that time. Uh, our project could not get initiated. Uh, we uh, then, uh, around a year after that, in 2012, we were fortunate enough to be able to distribute funding through the state of Wisconsin to fund uh, up to around 60.5% of the cost of the service. And actually, after a couple more months, the state of Wisconsin Department of Transportation uh, found another program, which was still available in Wisconsin. It was called uh, STRAP, uh, Supplemental Transportation Rural Assistance uh, Funding, at which point uh, we were applied for that funding also, and we were able to acquire 80% uh, of the cost of running the transportation system through state state dollars or state funding. Uh, obviously, a lot of it coming from the federal funding also for transportation. So what that meant then, we had to come up with around 20% uh, or 10 to 20% local match, and then also fare box revenue would make up the, the, the funding mix. Uh, we were able to get uh, local units of government, uh, 
counties, cities, and villages contributed. Also, some businesses have contributed uh, to the local matching funds. Uh, the next step that we had to accomplish is uh, we had to come up with a transportation provider. We uh, we it took us a couple of processes, a bidding processes, to get a transportation provider. Uh, finally, this last the summer 2012, uh, we had received successful bids, uh, six, four bids for the service, and then we awarded the contract in uh, the fall of 2012. At that point. We had state funding, we had local funding, we had a transportation provider, then it was a matter of getting the service up and going. Uh, we began the service um, in December 3rd of 2012, and what we did since, actually, the, the, the city of Prairie du Chien is a governmental unit that receives funding for the bus service. Uh, since it required state funding, it had to go to a local unit of government, so we needed a local sponsor. The city of Bergeshine <laughs> stepped up. Uh, they took on that role. And so essentially the, the system is administered uh, contractually through this through this city of Bergeshine to operate the bus service in the, in the three-county area. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. And I'm looking at the map here, and it looks like uh, Prairie du Chien is probably about 30, 40 miles Maybe yeah, we're around 55, roughly 55 oh, wow. miles okay. down uh, to Prairie It's around in a little over an hour to get there from La Crosse to Prairie du Chien. Wow. And even, I mean, when I went to uh, Viroqua yesterday, which is the, the city that you mentioned, you know, it's kind of in the middle, um, or, well, not quite in the middle, but equidistant. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, driving through, like, kind of the middle of nowhere to me. I mean, <laughs> it, it is. It is. It is very, uh, very rural. Uh the, the communities that we serve other than Prairie du Chien and Viroqua yeah, are, around, like I said, around four or 5,000 people. Then uh, there's nine other cities and villages, and they range in size from uh, roughly 100 people to 1,000. There's one that's 2,000, and most of them are right around 1,000 or less in population. Hmm. Uh, so that is uh, the service area. Hmm. So I think originally it sounds like the the original idea was to, to get employees down to Prairie du Chien, but... Yep. When the way, yeah, originally it, that was the focus. We went through the study. We found out we had to serve a, a couple of things. We needed people for employment, getting people to and from work, and then we also a senior and disabled transportation uh, really rose to the rose to the top. And so we had to try to find a way of how can we get people to and from work, and also to get elderly people, the seniors, to medical appointments. Uh, to get them out and be able to function within their communities for shopping, uh, so on and so forth. So, the when as a feasibility study went through, the the scope broadened, and we wanted to try to serve all and come up with a system and serve everyone, and just not in employment. And cool. uh, and we have to date attempted to do that with the with the system that was was set in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've learned a, a lot recent, you know, recent weeks and uh, especially the past couple of days about rural transportation, and um, it's something that I'm I'm not really familiar with. You know, just coming from big cities, but and it, it's it's hard for a lot of people to really understand the the needs and and sort of why, um, because you know a lot of people would say, well, if you you know if you don't have options, you know, why don't you just move to the city or something like that? And uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can talk about like why rural transit is important. And well, I. I it comes to the thing is the people that live in these rural communities and rural areas. I mean, it's, it's their life. That's what they that's what they've enjoyed. That's what they want to be, and that's what they want to that's what they want to stay. And the rural transportation is people of a of and mainly looking at the senior population. 
to keep these communities and rural areas vibrant, to keep them whole, uh, it's, it's very important to keep people in their homes, and keep people in these communities, and provide those options for them to get places where they need to go. And our aging units in the various counties have been really supportive of this because right now they're providing, a lot of them are providing that transportation through volunteer driver programs or running their own minibuses. But it was, it was really, uh, you know, just keeping these communities uh, vital and whole is, I think, one of the main things. And, and uh, you know, allowing people to, you know, remain where they're at and keep the area as it is. I mean, people like the rural area. And uh, I personally, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I live, uh, I live outside Roqua. I'm, I'm a commuter. I'm actually, in, in the, the bus coming from Roqua is very popular now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a 45-mile mile commute each day. But, you know, I just enjoy that those rural communities. And it's just where people have chosen to live. Hmm. And do you have a sense of the history of these areas? Were, were these old railroad towns? I, there was a railroad uh, system, yeah, that went through uh, uh, Westby of Roqua. Coon Valley. Uh, there's a current, obviously, railroad along the along the river now. The river communities, uh, but primarily all of them, yeah, um, uh, pretty much the entire route. Every city and village at one time would have been served by railroad. Okay, so I guess at one point the the railroad stopped, and then yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. I, I grew up in there. I grew up in, in Coon Valley, right in Vernon County, and when I was uh, young, which was around. I remember there, there were still railroads when I was young, probably around 35 years ago. They were just going out. Uh, so, uh, so what's been going on since then? I mean, what's, uh, like, you know, before, I mean, this, this transit service just started, um, and, and it's, you know, apparently it's becoming pretty popular. And, you know, what what were people doing before that? Was everybody well, driving? Or did uh, they go anywhere? Are, yeah, people are driving uh, to work. The, primarily in these areas, people are... La Crosse is the large employment center in the area, so that's where people are going. And I guess a secondary area would be Prairie du Chien and, and then Viroqua. Uh, so people are going to those areas, but people are driving. Uh, as far as senior transportation, uh, other than disabled, it's really been uh, each individual county through their aging departments uh, have been providing volunteer drivers uh, that people can call up and uh, get a ride to a medical appointment. Or they've been, uh, the, each of the counties operate like a minibus system which they might one day a week or a couple of days a month they'll go to La Crosse. They'll go through this community and take them maybe to La Crosse or to Prairie du Chien and provide transportation that way. So we were trying to, what we set up to do is try to find a more complete um, daily transportation system that operates Monday through Friday and just provide more options and uh, the ability of, you know, like I said, people to use it on a daily basis for for employment, and mm-hmm. and like I said, we are beginning to see that. That's yeah, for sure. and instead of having all these all these little providers, you know, running around all over the place, to sort of try to coordinate everything. And yes, and that, yeah. that is and that is the the overall vision. Uh, the aging units and I see this this fixed route system as the the backbone. And now what they are seeing with their mini buses that they they still operate and have, but what they're able to do is go to different areas that were not previously served but also feed into the system. In other words, taking people uh, to a location where they can be picked up by the mm-hmm. fixed route system. Right, so they're not going all the way up to La Crosse and they can do more with what they have? Yes, and moving those resources. Because uh, the, the demand for transportation, especially in seniors, is, is increasing 
and the cost is increasing. And so now how do you try to find a more efficient way of doing it? And that's what everyone's looking for. Cool. And um, so, you know, rural, uh, rural transit is something that's, um, you know, you're, you're serving. It's often difficult to figure out, you know, what, what your population is that you're serving and uh, how it's doing. So, I mean, how do you, how do you, you know, even think to evaluate it? And <laughs> when we did the feasibility said that was, that was, that was the, the challenge because it was trying to look at something similar was tough to, tough to find as unique to our area. Uh, a lot of it, when we put this together, was the faith in if, if we build it, they will come. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's primarily what it, what it boiled down to. We, you know, the feasibility told us a, a certain amount of information, but until those buses were actually running, we we really weren't sure what we get and how successful. And like I've told everyone from day one and in the last three years of working and putting this together, the service, the transportation service is going to have to sell itself. Uh, it's it's going to have to meet our goals, and it's in order for it to continue, people are going to have to use it. Uh, I know I've told the people who contributed, we aren't going to run a transportation system just to run a transportation system to have buses run. If people aren't using it, it will no longer be here. So the the service is going to have to sell itself, and people are going to have to use it. And I said, fortunately, uh, what we've seen so far is people have begun to use it. And uh, so, you know, hopefully that bodes well for its for its future cool. moving forward. You have a certain amount of time that you you know, after a while. The- yeah, we're uh, we are evaluating uh, constantly. We have uh, some set goals that we that we wanted to be to by, you know, our first 12 months of service. Wisconsin Department of Transportation told us, you know, we need six months to, to build the service, obviously, to, to see truly what ridership will be. But then we have certain increases that, that we want to see. Uh, I have actually some, some ridership figures just to give you an idea what um, what we experienced. When, when, the, when we first started the service in December, we did it a soft start. We didn't advertise it simply because it was a new service going over somewhere else 80 miles long, you know, long route so our, our timing we knew would be off uh, so we just ran the buses uh, if people jumped on knew about it they, they got on and used it uh, thank goodness we did that because we were 20 30 minutes late on our stops initially. <laughs> but for the first month of service we had a total of 60 people utilize the system uh, we did also did not advertise it we kept it running in January we we're continually making changes to schedules our ridership went up to 450 people in the month of January uh, be end in January we began to advertise the service and in February we had uh, 964 riders on the system for the month of February so we went from in early January around 13.2 people 13 people using the system each day to the end of February 58 people using the system each day so we're we're seeing growth with the very minimal um, marketing and, and advertising. We've we've really focused, uh, uh, well, for budgetary reasons too. We've really focused on just trying to communicate with employers, getting word out through people using the bus system and through the existing agencies that have been very helpful in, in helping us. Yeah, I assume that things like uh, bus stop signs and that sort of stuff will come at some point. Yeah, they are. They are. We we coordinate. Uh, with MTU or their stops in the city of La Crosse, uh, we share, we utilize, they have bus shelters and at around, we have around eight stops in La Crosse and we utilize MTU bus shelters at around six of those locations. And uh, you know, Keith Carlson, who you met with, uh, they are going to be putting up, uh, uh, if they aren't already up at some of the stops, the smart bus uh, logo saying it's a smart bus stop also. So there's coordination between the systems. Great. Yeah, I've, I've 
so I noticed, um, you know, from using the MTU, I, I noticed no mention of, of the smart bus. So, um, you know, I guess that's that's coming. And that is that is coming right right now. We are seeing. Uh, we are our bus drivers have uh, MTU schedules, and they are requested from time to time. But we are exploring uh, a free pass system between the, between the two. In other words, if you get on the smart bus in, say, Westby or Viroqua, you can come in lacrosse and get a free transfer onto MTU and vice versa. Uh, I'm confident something like that is going to be going this summer. Cool. So it'll cool. be just a seamless yeah. way for people to use the transportation system. I'm sure the ridership will go up a lot. You know, all these people yep. in around here, that once they hear about that, oh, I can get to Viroqua. Yep, yes. And uh, the... Probably the biggest thing about it is our fare. Uh, it's a $3 one-way fare, and we actually discount it greatly for people that will use it every day for work. If somebody's going to use it every day, we have a monthly pass that equates to around a $2 one-way fare. Uh, and just for someone driving a car right now, it gets around 25 miles to the gallon. If you're going from uh, La Crosse to Viroqua, uh, you're going you're gonna to pay each day round trip around 9 to $10 in gas to do that. Uh, using the smart bus, uh, depending on what, uh, just if you pay the regular fare, it's six dollars round trip. If you pay, a, you know, a discounted fare, you're getting for four or five dollars round way trip. So, it is, you know, people look at it. You can save twenty five dollars a week on transportation, hundred dollars a month in some cases. So, mm-hmm. uh, Great, yeah, and you have that hybrid between people who, um, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want a service that's just just out there for, um, you know. The, for only people who have no absolutely no other option because then it just gets windled down and, and you know and you want that mix so that it's a healthy vibrant yeah, yeah. and our, our riders I mean just from our riders I, I usually uh, try to jump on at least once a week uh, that's probably the most valuable thing I think I've done to, to understand who's riding and what we're doing right we are getting a good uh, it is I say 75% of ridership right now is people going to and from work uh, we are. We do stop at the universities, uh, WTC in Viroqua, WTC in, in La Crosse, University of Wisconsin La Crosse, and also the Trevor University. Uh, we are stopping at those locations, and we are getting some student travel, uh, which has cool. been, been good to see. We also have a large Amish community in these rural areas, and uh, we are getting uh, Amish travelers uh, that, that utilize the bus service. And uh, the, the senior component, you know, we started at a tough time of year yeah. <laughs> to, to, to get that. Right in the winter. Are, we are working. Uh, uh, that That is our goal, to increase that ridership. Um, and and that's that's going to be more challenging, and we understand that. But uh, I know our aging units, like for Vernon County, has a, has a program. They offer bus buddies, so somebody that uh, is hesitant about riding the bus or understanding it has a volunteer who will ride with them, show them how to take them to their appointment. Mm-hmm. on and off the bus how to use the system I think so, in some places they call that travel training yep travel training yeah, we just turn those bus buddies is, uh, is sort of how the phrase they're utilizing so hmm. very cool so any any lessons and advice that you would have to share for others thinking about doing something like this oh, wow uh, yeah it's it's been uh, it's been challenging <laughs> but also also uh, rewarding because you know just the feedback I get from people that utilize the system uh has been great. It's two the, the coordination we've had between three counties and the various agencies. Uh, if it wasn't for the the people that have been involved in that, uh, we've all of us have been similar in that we've continually looked for ways for the system to work and not what would stop it from working. And 
we we've there's been hurdles all the way along the road, but no one ever thought that we wouldn't get it going. I mean, we we have to overcome a lot, and that was that persistence. I think is probably been the most rewarding. And uh, like I said, then when you see the end result, uh, the people are being served. Uh, it's again rewarding to see that. Mm-hmm. Excellent, cool. Uh, do you do any work with uh, MTU? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the Keith has been in, actually involved with it. We meet uh, oh, probably, we talk at least uh, once every couple of weeks on, on different issues as the service has been going. Um, actually, uh, MTU was a reviewer of the RF, RFP for the contractor we chose. So there is constant, there's communication. It is small, we're on various committees, so there is, we're both seeing it as, both entities as a benefit each other, so. We're trying to make as much coordination happen as possible. Excellent. Too. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for, for chatting sure, about this. Sure thing. <laughs> yeah. any, any information we get out is uh, more helpful. Cool. All right. Yeah. And I'll put the link on the, the site and people can find out. Is there other ways people can support it uh, aside from writing it? Donations or anything? Uh, anything is accepted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> cool. Anything is accepted. Take what you can Stop get, right? Yeah, that's it. That All right. It. All right, well, thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Peter Fletcher for sitting down with me on a very short notice. As I mentioned, I only found out about this system by accident, and uh, I found out about it basically, uh, I think, the same day as I wrote it. And uh, the trip that I rode was the last possible round trip that I could ride. And so, and it was the next day in the morning that I sat down with Peter before I left town that same day. So, um, you know, very short notice, but um, Peter was was very gracious and happy to talk about transit, as those of us who think about transit are. And, uh, you know, in many small places, people are very happy to to talk because, uh, you know, they don't often get people who are interested in transit coming and, uh, and, and wanting to talk about it. So... Um, so that was great. So thanks to Peter for that. And uh, small city and rural transit, uh, which are definitely two different things. Uh, but those are the two things that I'm going to be uh, looking into more and more in the, in the coming months because um, these are our issues in, in for our society. Um, you know, we talk about how we've built these places that where people have to own cars and, um, you know, and it's difficult to provide services such as transportation. But, I mean, people do live in these places, and people do need to get around. And at some point, the transit starts to be really useful, and a desired amenity is something that people want. People are starting to be more environmentally conscious, and even if they've moved into these places where, you know, everything is so spread out, and they have the white picket fence and everything, it's like, you know, they're still demanding transit. And it's, you know, what kind of transit can we provide to, to these types of areas that will be reasonably efficient and effective uh, because remember, you can't just go and pick up everybody at their door because then you're not providing a useful service to anybody because you're, you're deviating all over the place. So I'm going to be interested in, in, in talking about how we can provide useful services to uh, low-density areas. And, um, and and some would say, you know, just, just screw them. We have too many problems in, uh, in, in urban high-density areas. Then, uh, you know, why should we be waste, wasting resources on uh, smaller areas? So uh, it's something I definitely want to explore and also for the agencies that are doing it, uh, explore more about um, best practices. And rural transit is still fairly new. Um, I mean, you know, it's been going on for decades, but it's um, it's not as established as urban transit. And, and people who operate rural transit usually don't have the knowledge base. Um, they don't 
usually have a lot of people locally that that know about transit and uh, their staff often is is doesn't really know much of anything about transit planning and they're just just sort of doing it as just you know running a, they start running a van service and all of a sudden it's just it just balloons um, so we're just trying to share experiences and best practices from rural transit agencies and and uh, you know what what works best and um, how how we can improve and uh, run efficient services in rural areas and uh, and I do want to give a shout out as I as I mentioned that to uh, the trout it's uh, also known as catch the trout the the rural overland utility transit which is a rural transit agency in northern Ontario and uh, they have on their website a library of uh, best practices for rural transportation and uh, and I've been following them a lot on Twitter and uh, and a website trying to learn more about rural transit. They're doing some really great stuff, making some great efforts for for not only uh, public outreach uh, to get people to learn about transit, but also to try to to share knowledge and and improve the the, the service and and improve um, people's ability to get around, people's access and mobility. And that's something that, that I really care about and sort of why I started this project because I I want to share that that information. So uh, you can find them at catchthetrout.ca. And uh, put a link to that on, on my website, criticaltransit.com. So last thing I wanted to mention before I wrap up is uh, after I left lacrosse, I decided that the weather was pretty nice. I was going to ride my bike up to Winona, which is up along the Mississippi River. And Winona is the next town up. Um, well, the next next um, city, I should say, town, a city of about twenty seven thousand people, and uh, normally you, that size population you expect to be pretty small, but uh, Winona grew as uh, from its location on the Mississippi River in the you know seventeen eighteen hundreds, and then um, and then they uh, had got railroads, and the railroads came through, and uh, that really you know there was a big big industrial town, and they still have a bunch of railroads. Uh, but now the city is laid out in a in a longitudinal way. It's sort of it's on a bend in the Mississippi River, so the river kind of flows from uh, west to east. Uh, actually, no, I should say it flows from yeah, it flows from west to east. Which normally the river flows north to south, but in this case there's a bend, and so the town is laid out. Basically, it's like it's like a couple miles long um, from west to east, and the north to south is is less than a mile um, between the river and the the highway. Is that where the bypass was built in the 50s and 60s, and uh, that's the end. That's the edge of the city. Um, you know, on on the highway there is some like big box type stores, but um, but everything in the city itself is um, is pretty pretty decent. I mean, some low density houses certainly, but um, you don't really see these like you know big box, big parking lot type stuff um, as much as you do in other places. So um, very nice place to be. And they have a very small transit system. I didn't get to explore it too much, but I, I did ride a little bit. And they, uh, they're they using mini buses to just, they just basically have uh, four loops that they that they run around town. The uh, They have the green route east, the green route west, the red route, and the blue route. Um, and I don't know why they couldn't pick a fourth color, but, um, but, but so be it. You have two green routes. Uh, but these routes all go out and they do loops. Um, there are a lot of deviations and they're um, sort of, you know, the people I stayed with were absolutely right when they talk about, um, you know, we don't, we never use the bus, we just, just bike. Um, and that's, it's a very easy place to bike because it's pretty compact and uh, everything you need is within biking distance. I remember the first time I saw Winona, 
was when I was taking a train in 2010 from Minneapolis to Chicago, and we passed through Winona. Um, we stopped there because there's, there's a station there on the edge of town. And uh, I remember sitting in the in the lounge car with the the big fall windows on the, the second level. Um, for those of you east of Chicago, uh, if you go west of Chicago, Amtrak has bi-level cars, and so you can sit higher up. And then there's the lounge car or cafe car, I guess. Um, the upper level has uh, nice swir- uh, pivoting chairs, uh, swiveling chairs. Yes, swiveling chairs. Um, and so you can sit there and look out. And I remember where that car stopped was right right in the middle of the street in this grade crossing, which turned out to be Main Street, and in in, um, in Winona. So that was. Um, and I remember watching the you know the, this university right there, Winona State University. And I remember just watching the city and people walking around, and it was, this, this seems like a cool little place. Uh, but I was on my way to Chicago at that point, and I wasn't just hopping off. So, uh, But a few years later, I, I was back, and it was very nice to see uh, see what's going on in Winona. And, um, just, uh, you know, a lot more activity than for a city of its size, you know, than for what you would expect. So um, so cool stuff there. And uh, But on the way to Winona, actually, I biked from La Crosse to Winona, I had a little bit of bike trouble. Uh, my trusty Brompton decided to give me the, the first problem when I was actually in Madison, Wisconsin, but before going to La Crosse. My headlight burnt out. Now, I have to pick on Brompton here because I when I bought when I bought this this new Brompton, this was a replacement for a Brompton that had been stolen, um, and, and so I um, but I got was was fully covered by insurance, so I got a replacement. Luckily. And it's it's a long story. If you want all the details, just send me an email. But um, so I got I got the got a replacement. When I got the new one, I decided I was going to buy the Dynamo light kit. Um, these are the generator lights that are powered by uh, by the rotation of the wheel. Uh, it's just a special hub. It's not not these uh, not those old uh, little bottle ones that, that spun on the side of the tire. The, the, these are these are modern Dynamos that uh, it's a special hub in the front wheel that uh, generates the power. And I have one on my other bike, my full size bike. And it works great. I had it for a while. So I decided to get it for the Brompton. And Brompton offers two options. They either, for about $600, you can get the really nice San Hub, which is like, you know, top of the line, uh, beautiful German hub um, with great two great light, great headlight, great taillight. And then they have one for like $200, which is just, um, it's a Shimano hub, which is fine. Um, but then there's, uh, the lights are much lower end. Um, although I understand they've upgraded that a little bit, um, because I remember I was I was complaining a little bit. I said I wish they would have just charged a little bit more than two hundred dollars and just given me better lights. But suffice to say, um, the headlight that they gave with this uh, with the cheap kit is uh, is is a halogen bulb, and uh, so of course halogen bulbs uh, you know they don't last forever. Uh, so of course the light uh, burns out when I was in Madison, and. I got that replaced and when I was in La Crosse. I found the shop that um, knew enough to uh, to help me fix it, and um, and so I got the, I got that replaced. For it. it only cost me two dollars, um, and and that was great. But I guess I didn't realize that when the headlight burnt out, the it, it all it caused the full three watts to go to the taillight instead of two point four watts for the headlight and 0.6 for the taillight. Everything went to the taillight, and the taillight burnt out. Um, so the taillight was an LED, LED light. Um, I went to Radio Shack, and I tried to buy an LED, but there it's like glued into the motherboard of the thing. So I had this little blinky light. 
um, that I had bought when I was in Madison just to go on my helmet just in case, until I figured out the, the light issue. Um, and so I rode from La Crosse to Winona, um, and I reached this small town called Trempolo, which was about 15 miles short of Winona. Uh, I reached there at about 7.30 p.m., and, uh, well, I still had 15 miles to go, and it was getting dark. So um, I rode 15 miles in, uh, you know, on country road, basically, well, highway, um, in pitch black. Um, but I had this uh, little blinky taillight, and fortunately my, my headlight had been fixed, so at least it was, it was bright. I had a little headlight on my helmet. Um, I had the mirror on my helmet. And, uh, and I was scared because I, I'm not used to riding in this place in the country to begin with, right? Um, in the daytime, I had already been chased by three dogs. Um, none too seriously. Um, they all just sniffed me and ran away. But it was very scary and traumatic. And uh, I, I was really, I don't really like riding in rural areas. I get bored. I just, I, I don't know what to do with to handle complex situations. There's traffic going by at 55 miles an hour. Uh, so, but I was riding there and I had just these little light, just that little blinky light in, in the rear and plus the little okay little reflector which would be my my normal tail light and so i uh so i was constantly checking the mirror and uh you know it's a, it's a nice thing when you when you can watch in the mirror and you see uh you see the car start to move over across the yellow line and you're like, oh good the car sees me it's moving around good um and i highly recommend uh if you don't have a mirror if you don't use a mirror to when you bike um i highly recommend getting one um you know, people who drive cars have mirrors uh, when there's uh, tons of steel protecting them. Uh, but then when they ride, uh, you know, there's like 200 pounds on a bicycle, uh, you know, that can easily be destroyed. Uh, people don't ride with a mirror. So um, I highly recommend that. The one I use is called the Safe Zone Mirror. And I am, uh, I, I've been meaning to put a review of that on my site along with other reviews. Uh, I'm not getting paid by them at all. So uh, don't, uh, don't worry. It's not a paid endorsement. And so um, anyway... I made it to Winona. Uh, I was very excited when I finally hit the bridge over the river from Wisconsin to Minnesota, and uh, it said entering Minnesota. And I was very, very happy. The bridge was very high up there, so I was a little scared crossing the bridge, but but I made it, and, uh, and I was welcomed with open arms in, in Winona. And uh, eventually, when I made it to Minneapolis, I went to Calhoun Cycle, which uh, is a wonderful, amazing place, and uh, Luke helped me out kindly by facilitating a warranty replacement of the taillight. Apparently this is a common problem with the kit because when the when you have a halogen headlight, it's uh, it's known that halogen headlights will burn out and uh, and you may not depending on the conditions you're riding in, you may not see it burned out. You know, you may not realize that it's burnt out. And then uh, so uh, of course then the taillight's going to burn out and uh, I guess this is a common problem and uh, Luke was very patient and quick to get me a replacement and uh, so thank you, Luke, for that, and uh, and the other wonderful people working on Calhoun Cycles in Minneapolis. And uh, so yeah, uh, I think that's it for today's episode. Um, we're probably over an hour by by the time I put this all together. So I hope you enjoyed what you heard. Um, check out more information about Lacrosse at cityoflacrosse.org, and you can click through to uh, Lacrosse MTU. I'll put a link to that as well on the on the site, so you don't have to go poking through uh, through a bunch of links. Um, as I mentioned, uh, catchthetrout.ca has a bunch of info on rural transit. They have, uh, if you click on top, it says public transit information, and they have a library there. And, uh, so you can, you can click on that. Also, um, ridesmart.com is the 
Um, let me check here. It's like this is the website for scenic Mississippi River Transit. It's actually ridesmrt.com, um, as in scenic Mississippi Regional Transit. Sorry, I was uh, I I got that one a little wrong. Um, it's regional. Okay, um, you can forgive me for thinking it was the Mississippi River, because uh, that's pretty much where it operates. So um, you can find that and uh, check info on that. And uh, yeah, and if you have if you have any uh, quite in- any interest in the in transportation planning in the region, you can check out Mississippi River Regional Planning Commission at mrrpc.com. And uh, I guess I can put a link up to that as well. And uh, what else? Anything else I talked about in the show? Um, I don't think so. Um, you can find Brompton at brompton.co.uk or Calhoun Cycle. Uh, they are online. I'll uh, put a link to their site as well. And uh, I'm not very good at uh, typing while I'm talking. Um, Calhoun Cycle is at calhouncycle.com, and uh, you can find out about them there. The I'm actually considering going back to Minneapolis at the end of this of uh, the end of June for the Brompton U.S. Championship. Uh, this is this is very exciting because it um, they had it in Minneapolis last year and it was a big success, and they're having it again this year, and um, it's. I didn't find out about it until I went into to Calhoun Cycle, of course, but um, see if I can look it up here. So Brompton U.S. Championship is a six-mile race wherein participants first start. Um, you have to you get a Le Mans running start to your folded Brompton. You have to unfold it and uh, get on it, and then uh, you race six miles. It's a it's a one-mile loop that you just so you just uh, you ride six laps, and uh, so I'm sure I wouldn't win it. Um, but it would be fun, and uh, and I'm sure it would be a big sight to see all those Bromptons and all the that many Bromptons in one place, uh, which is quite exciting. Um, so yeah, those of you in New York, if you think you've seen a lot of Bromptons, or maybe in London, um, if you have pictures of lots of Bromptons or lots of folding bikes, just send them on in, and I will put them on the on the site. But uh, for now, I think uh, I'm thinking about coming for this. I, I don't know. Um, what do you think? Let me know. Let me know what you think. Um, uh, anyway, I'm done. I'm rambling on. So have a great week. Find out more about the show at criticaltransit.com and follow me on Twitter and Facebook at criticaltransit. You can email me feedback at criticaltransit.com or use the contact form on the website. I finally talked DreamHost into moving my website to a different server, and I think that things are working out now that uh, criticaltransit.com is loading properly. So. If you experience any problems, please let me know, but I, I hope that I don't hear from you in that in that regard. As always, this show is 100% listener-supported, so if you like what you hear and you get something from it, please consider going to criticaltransit.com and making a donation. Anything that you're able to give really does help me produce better quality shows and uh, produce shows more often and uh, see more transit systems, pay for more tickets, uh, etc., all right, that's it. I'm done. Uh, I'm tired of rambling. So, um, happy trails, uh, bus, bicycle, train, ferry, uh, any walking, skating, whatever you're doing. Have fun, enjoy the weather, and uh, I will talk to you soon. <laughs>